This talk, What I Learned from Satan, Lessons from Milton's Protagonist by Adam Bloom, was presented at Veritas's Community Training 2023. When Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he is offered the whole world if he bows down and worships Satan. Interestingly enough, Jesus does not respond by saying, This world is not even yours to offer. Perhaps this is why Paul calls Satan the prince of the air. He has great power in this life, and as the father of lies, he knows how to use his power for our ruin. Milton makes this creature the protagonist of his great work, Paradise Lost. By looking at Milton's portrayal of Satan, we can get a glimpse of how he uses his power to deceive us, and thus, by God's grace, we may learn something about how to resist that deception. Adam Bloom is a teacher and upper school principal for Veritas. Enjoy! All right, um, we're going to go ahead and get started. So it's 2.30. They gave me another um, 50 minutes. So thanks all for, for, uh, for showing up, being willing to uh, double dip and just hearing me and listening to me again. Um, I don't know if that's for better or for worse. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to talk about Satan a little bit. Um, they... Uh, they asked me to, John wrote, sent around, it's like, hey, can you write up a, um, like a bio um, that, like, why are you giving them this talk? And so the one that ended up there is just like, has nothing to do with it. It just says, Adam Bloom's like the school principal or whatever. But the one I originally sent in um, said, um, you know, like, Adam Bloom is a man well acquainted with the devil. Um, <laughs> and, you know, some other things. Um, Yes, well, I come with Satan, and they thought like that. Like, if there's people who don't know you, like that, I don't know. That just might sound weird. So they turned up. Um, yeah, or maybe there's you know people who do know me, and you hear that you're like, I get it. Like it makes sense now. Like now I get it. <laughs> right? Like it's all, it's all starting to make sense. Um, I, uh, yeah. So. Um, I, I'm excited to, to, to do this talk. Um, Nori always gives me such a hard time for, for so I, I feel like since I'm not allowed, to, you know, I wasn't allowed to do Dante this year. Um, I'll go to another great epic, and uh, we'll stick with with Paradise Lost. Um, but I want to start off. I, I, I did um, write in the description of course of kind of the the genesis of this talk, thinking through. Um, the way that the devil tempts us. Um, we get such a little, little account of it in scripture. And so obviously I don't think that paradise lost is scripture, but I do think that it provides a lot of wisdom um, for us to glean from in the way that um, the devil interacts. And we, uh, you know, essentially we have three narratives, you know, in scripture. We get, we get Genesis three, we get uh, Job one, and, and then um, in the gospels of the temptation, um, and even Job 1 is debated whether it's actually, right, Satan or whether it's just an accusing angel. And so maybe we only get two, you know, and we get such a small, you know, picture of what that actually looks like. And John Milton gives us um, a really interesting look into um, the character of Satan. But part of the Genesis talk was um, the more I, I started to think about the temptation of Jesus in, in the wilderness, um, there are things that just didn't make sense to me. And this is one I actually wrote that ended up in the summary, is that when Jesus is tempted um, to gain the whole world, um, 
he doesn't correct. Like Jesus doesn't correct Satan. And again, with I mentioned a little bit of the tradition which I you know grew up in, a heavy reformed uh, tradition, and not saying anything about that, but the tradition I grew up in was such a heavy focus on the sovereignty of God. Um, that response of Jesus never made sense to me. Never made sense. Because I would have expected Jesus to say, it's not yours. But you can't do that. It's not yours to begin with. But he doesn't. And it's, it's really fascinating the way he, that he interacts. And I, again, my growing up, um, I didn't give a whole lot of credence to the devil. I didn't give a whole lot of credence to the fact that there might be active spiritual realities that are actively trying to tempt us. Just, just didn't really, really think about that. Um, and I still, I still struggle with it, uh, to be fair, but over, over the years, um, I've thought more of this idea that um, if I think that Satan is real, if I think that Paul um, seems to ascribe to him great power, the, the prince of the air, or the prince of this world, depending on the translation that you're using, I think he is given and recognized as quite the formidable foe. And as such, um, I need to take him seriously. And I think as Christians, we ought to take him seriously when he is trying to, um, to tempt us, when it says that he lies in wait for us and, and his goal is our, is our ruin and he wants to devour us. That, um, that, is, that is strong language, right? That is, that is said, um, say like, this is someone who has power. His authority is not final, but for whatever reasons in the mysteries of God that, that Satan is granted, um, I think, real power in, in the way that we see it in Scripture. And I think Milton gives us um, an insight into this. Um, in Milton's epic, In Paradise Lost, uh, in the pack you have before you, uh, we have four excerpts from Satan, uh, along with a screenshot of my keyboard. Uh, so I didn't know that was in there. I was, um, I, I was, I was scanning the documents with with my phone, and apparently, as I was flipping pages, and I just hold my phone out, it took a picture um, of my because it captures anything that's square, right? It just automatically takes a picture of it, and so it locked in on that, and I didn't know that, and I just said, "Keep scanning." Um, so, in case some of you are wondering. Um, what a MacBook looks like. Yeah, this is so. This is. I, I wish this were like brilliant to be like the Apple and Apple like that. But no, this is just like, this is this is not so clever. This is just a total mistake. Um, so what we have before us are, are four excerpts from um, Milton's Paradise Lost. We have a short one in Book One and a short one in Book Two. And the way the narrative of the story progresses is that book one and two look at Satan and the, and the council of demons in hell, and they had just been expelled from heaven, and they're talking about how to plot their revenge. Book three then goes up to um, heaven, and you get a sense of the heavenly council, and there's intentional contrast between the two in the way they operate, and God lays out um, a plan of salvation. Right? Book four, and that's our third uh, excerpt, is one of uh, Satan's um, longest soliloquies, um, in, in the work. And I, I mentioned in the summary that, that he's called the protagonist. I consider him the protagonist of the epic, not the hero, right? Uh, he's clearly not a, a figure to imitate in that sense, um, but he is the protagonist in the sense that he, he moves the story forward, right? He is the one who moves the plot forward. And so in book four, Satan is uh, on the outside of Eden and he is looking in 
and he is figuring out how he wants to go about this plan of ruining God's new creation. Um, books five uh, and six um, talk about um, Raphael visits Adam in the garden, and he and he gives him a history of Satan, um, of Satan, and he talks about uh, Satan's fall from heaven, which is kind of all extra biblical for the most part. Um, but, you know, he was the highest of the angels, and he rebelled, and there was this huge war in heaven, and he lost, and he was expelled. Um, Butch 7 and 8, uh, Raphael and uh, Adam swap uh, creation stories from each of their perspectives, so we're kind of skipping that entirely. And then our last one is from Book 9, where um, Satan actually tempts Eve, and so it's the dialogue between the two of them. And then in the actual work, Paradise Lost, Butch 10, 11, and 12, um, the angel, um, before they are kicked out of the garden, gives a message of a messianic message of hope to Adam and Eve, and say, "All is not lost." Um, so we're going to start um, with book one. Um, um, we are going um, to look at. Uh, we're not reading all this. Uh, we're going to look on page uh, four. You see it in the top, uh, the second column. And then the second paragraph in that column. So we're going to read some uh, selections together, and uh, then we're going to kind of discuss and talk about um, what I think this this gleans for us in the way that um, Satan operates, in the way he tempts us. So this is again page four. This is from book one. They're just kicked out of heaven, and Satan is discussing with the demonic council. Um, about what just transpired, which is they lost in the battle in heaven, and now they're kicked out. He says, is this the region, this the soil, the climb, said the land, the lost archangel, this the seat that we must change for heaven, this mournful gloom, for that celestial light? Be it so, since he who now is sovereign can dispose and bid what shall we write, furthest from him is best. Whom reason hath equaled, force hath made supreme above his equals. Farewell, happy fields, where joy forever dwells. Hail horrors, hail infernal world. And thou, profoundest hell, receive thy new possessor, one who brings a mind not to be changed by place or time. The mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. What matter where, if I be still the same? And what I should be, all but less than he whom thunder hath made greater. Here at least we shall be free. The Almighty hath not built here for his envy, will not drive us hence. Here we may reign secure. And in my choice to reign is worth ambition, though in hell, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. But wherefore, lest we then, our faithful friends, the associates and co-partners for our loss, lie thus astonished of the oblivion's pool, and call them not to share with us their part in this unhappy mansion, or once more with rallied arms to try what may be yet regained in heaven, or what more lost in hell. This first um, excerpt by Satan as he's speaking to the Mark Council kind of gets at, I think, the heart of the way um, that Satan tempts us, which is to say um, that submission is inherently bad, right? So he says this, hey, like he knows that God is sovereign. He says he is unequaled. He says, oh, so be it. You're not going to change my mind. Better, right? This is the one of the most famous lines in Paradise Lost. It says, better to reign in hell than to serve 
in heaven. And notice how he's not, he's not um, hiding the fact that heaven is better. Right? Farewell, happy fields where joy forever dwells. Hail horrors. Right? Hail infernal world. He says, so be it. If this is the new possessor, I'll take it. Right? And I think this gives insight in one of the first the way that temptation happens to us is hinting at um, this idea of inherent pride. Right? This is why when we think of spiritual formation, um, pride is always called uh, the root of all sin. Um, that traditionally is actually not one of the seven deadly sins because it is the root of all of them. Right? It doesn't get its own place because it doesn't matter what that like what you struggle with it, right? Whether it's vanity, envy, wrath, sloth, um, greed, gluttony, um, and lust, whether like whichever of those seven capital sins um, I might struggle with, pride is at the root of it. Because at the root of it um, is the sense that I should not have to submit. And a lot of this talk is going to build off what I kind of just in the plenary, but this is, this is where he, he talks about, if you caught uh, in the beginning, he talks about freedom. He says, here in hell, we shall be free. Right? Which is to say, we can do what we want. Um, which is kind of what I contrast. Like, that's, that's not a biblical definition of freedom. Right, a building of freedom is you are you are created to live, um, as as he says in the happy fields where joy forever dwells. You are created to live there, and we're actually free when we embrace that. But for Satan, he won't have it, and so I think the root of our um, a lot of the way that he tempts us hinges upon this fact that serving is inherently wrong. And that small thing that starts to, to fit in of, I shouldn't have to do this, or I shouldn't want to do this, or why isn't someone else doing this, or that's not fair, or whatever it is. If anything we were complaining that kind of puts us down a peg, right, starts to get at the root of the way that Satan tempts us. Now, interesting enough, we're, we're going to continue that strain, but he's going to provide, interesting enough, Satan's going to provide the antidote for that same very temptation in soliloquy in book four. But I'm going to hold off on that um, just yet. Um, so that's the beginning, right? I think of the way that, that, that we are tempted is, is to think that, um, that serving our Lord and Creator is anything but beautiful, right? That it is anything but good. Um, and that in any sense that we should be higher, whatever that is, right? And that shouldn't function differently, right? Um, if we know ourselves right? You can cycle it through um, whatever vice you might struggle with, right? I should, um, you know, wrath of, you know, or, or envy, right? Like, I should be higher. That person should be lower, or that makes me angry, or out sloth, I shouldn't have to do that, or greed, I should make more, or gluttony, I should the last piece of pizza, or lust, my spouse should be blank and not blank. Whatever it is, right? It is rooted in this idea um, that pride will actually get us something better and submission will get us something worse. I want to skip to the, uh, the, ne- the next part is going to come to you. So I, I, I try to put a picture, uh, again, minus my keyboard, uh, I put a picture um, for each book. And so the next one, right, I'm going to jump to uh, page 21, but uh, we see this picture in here. This is 
Satan again with his demonic counsel. And in book two, he's going to talk about um, what is the best way to get back at God. All right, we just lost the war. He says, what's the best way to get back at him? Um, and um, we're going to look in uh, uh, on page, starting page uh, 21. Um, and we're not going to read all of this. So he's actually holding a council. Uh, we're going to read a section where he lets um, Beelzebub speak. So Milton actually goes through a whole bunch of um, demons from the Bible. Some are, are pagan deities. And he says, though, these are actually all demons that are present in, in the council right now. So what we're going to read is actually Beelzebub suggesting um, his plan, and Satan's going to go along with it. But we're going to start um, um, on page 21 on that second column. Um, so if you look from the bottom, I apologize for not marking this. Uh, if you look in the bottom, go up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 lines. So it's basically towards the bottom, you're going to see a question mark which says, some ease your enterprise. And you're going to see parentheses. We're starting right above that. And the question that's going to put forth is, how can we take our revenge on God? Beelzebub says, there is a place, if ancient prophetic fame in heaven ere not, another world, the happy seat of some new race called man about this time to be created like us, though less in power and excellence, but favored more of him who rules above. So was his will pronounced among the gods and by an oath that shook heaven's whole circumference confirmed. Tither let us bend all our thoughts to learn what creatures there inhabit, of what mold or substance, how endued and what their power and where their weaknesses and how attempted best by force or subtlety. That's when I pause there. This is kind of a pretty chilling um, dialogue by Beelzebub. He says, hey, we need to go and we're going to go study man. Um, but what he does um, is that he f- paints the devil here in Beelzebub and Saint Jean Agree as a great student, right? He is not rash. He is not hasty. He is going to take his time and he is going there to study. He says, let us bend, this is back on page 21 towards the bottom. Let us bend all our thoughts to learn what creatures they inhabit, of what mold, what substance, how endued, what their power and where their weaknesses and how attempted best by force or subtlety. He's not going to make a hasty decision. He is going to take his time. He is going to study. He is going to record. He is going to watch film, right? To use the Latin, like, I mean, this is, you know, Bill Belichick, like, to the extreme right here. He's a football analogy, right? Like, he is going to take his time and study tape after tape after tape, just like a good coach does, right, and watches their hey, we got to play this team. Let me watch how they run their offense. Let me watch how they run their defense. I'm going to watch it again, watch it again, watch it again, watch it again, and again. And this is what he does. And he says really something interesting. He says, to find out if they're tempted by force or by subtlety. And it's not a surprise the way the the paradise uh, lost plays out, uh, the way it happens in Genesis 3. It's not by force. He says, this is 
not how humans are best tempted. It is by subtlety. Which is really interesting if you think about the temptation of Jesus. The first thing he's tempted to eat. Why? Dude, you haven't eaten 40 days. I bet a piece of bread is looking really, really good. And who would say that you were wrong to eat a piece? I mean, like, who would say that you were wrong to eat a piece of bread? Everyone would understand. Who would disagree with that? If Jesus is like, Jesus, why are you eating? I've been fasting for 40 days, right? I'm pretty hungry. I'm having some bread. Like, I mean, like, that makes sense, right? I get hungry if I strip a meal, right? And so no one would think twice about it. No one would knock it, right? No one would question it. And so the devil's very clear, like, it's not by force that we're going to attempt. It's by subtlety. Um, I think this is so telling. This is so important for us as, as Christians. Um, a lot of the reason why I thought about this talk is because I was thinking about my plenary talk and thinking about this idea um, of, of using the law as a gift um, to pursue righteousness. And part of the way that the law can be used as a gift is, is we truly have to know ourselves. Um, we truly have to know our weaknesses. And I think it goes hand in hand with the way that the devil tempts us. Because he knows our weaknesses. He's not, he's not omniscient, right? Um, but he does have great power. I'm not going to try to get fully into that, that balance. I don't, um, I don't, he, he does not know all things. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent, right? But, um, but he is given great knowledge. And he does have great power. And I think if, if I do something... To some extent, I don't know how it works. I think he can see it, if I can put it that way. And I think he can know. And then so that temptation by subtlety comes in the same way that I have to know myself. Right? Because temptation, if you think about it, often happens in increments. Notice it's not really to the third temptation. Maybe we can to the second temptation, but the third temptation of Jesus is when Satan tries to pull out force. Right? Like compared to the first one is very, very subtle. And it's not until Jesus resists the subtle ones then that he pulls out the big gun, so to speak, of, hey, I'll give you all of this, which I think to be equated to force. The first one is very subtle, right? And we're going to see this more in um, book nine. But I think part of the way that the temptation happens subtly is in things that are um, culturally acceptable. No one would really, you know... This, Dis- disagree. Um, um, things that we kind of experience. Um, I think about my own um, temptations for um, for greed. Greed really hits me in the sense of um, unrealistic greed. Man, if I just won the lottery. Well, that ain't happening. But it hits me in realistic greed, if I could put it that way. If I just had 10% more That's reasonable, right? It's just a little bit more. And then I would be happy. I remember very, very distinctly, right? This still just treat this as like confession hour on my part. Um, but I remember this, remember this very distinctly. Um, it was um, a couple uh, years ago um, where um, the school tried to give... Um, Everyone across the board, a, a substantial um, increment, uh, bump in their salary. And I was like, 
oh, sweet. I can like, I don't even know what I, like, I can do these things now. Like, the things, right? What are the things, right? And I remember thinking about that. And um, I remember after sitting down and thinking through, it's like, well, I kind of wanted, you know, my kids to get involved in this activity. And kind of wanted them to get played, um, uh, take music lessons. And then I kind of wanted to go through this. And then I like add up the budget and it's gone. Like everything was gone. And I remember sitting there being angry. Like I was angry. At what? I, like, I don't know, because I wanted to do something left over like, with his funds that I thought I deserved or I should have, and I didn't want to give it out to my kids, you know, to do this. I, I, like, I couldn't even tell you exactly what I wanted for. I think I just wanted it, which is also kind of the nature of temptation, too. Um, and I took what was a very generous gift from the school, and I turned it around. And I remember sitting there being angry at this and it was a very subtle one i didn't want another fifty thousand dollars i didn't want another i just 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 a, just a little bit more is what i wanted and so beelzebub says um we need to find out if by force or by subtlety and i think for a lot of us um what happens is subtlety right is the way that the devil chooses to tempt us. Um, we're going to, um, as we did in the books four and nine, we're going to see a little bit of, I think, the way that um, we're actually encouraged to fight against this. Um, and so book four, right, uh, our, next, uh, our next section, um, right, the picture that separates book four is uh, Satan leaning up against a rock, and that's you know, the, the, in the version I had. Um, these, these are all uh, etchings by uh, Gustav Dore, um, and he did a lot of etchings um, on um, Paradise Lost, um, on the Divine Comedy. So there's, I guess, is my token reference to Dante, since I didn't do the other one. Um, he does some on uh, uh, Pose the Raven, um, and they're kind of all in the same, uh, the same style. Um, but you see, like, as he's lamenting, if you look at the picture, like, as he's lamenting against, against the rock, um, book four is his longest soliloquy in kind of a literary fashion. It's his most human moment. Mm-hmm. Milton kind of humanizes him because this is the last point in the book where he debates repentance. Mm-hmm. And he has this, um, this angst moment, this crisis, and he wonders what he is doing there as he's looking out and staring in and he sees Adam and Eve and he's like, like, if I go through with this, I'm in. Right, with evil. He says, but maybe I could repent. And so that's what we're going to see um, in this next um, moment. And so um, so this one's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, this one's going to be a full, a full page that we're going to read. But we're going to look on page 48. If you can see at the top, the staple might cut it off. Um, but it's right in that, um, right after that picture. So right at the top of the first column where, where it quotes, and, and this is where he starts talking. He says, Oh, that with surpassing crown, glory crowned, look as from thy sole dominion like the God of this new world, at whose sight all the stars hide their diminished heads to thee I call, but with no friendly voice and add thy name. O oh, sun, to tell thee how I hate thy beams that bring to my remembrance from what state I fell and how glorious once above thy sphere till pride and worse ambition threw me down, warring in heaven against heaven's matchless king. 
Ah, wherefore, he deserved no such return from me, whom he created what I was in that bright eminence, and with his good upbraided none, nor was his service hard. What could be less than to afford him praise, the easiest recompense, and pay him thanks? How do? Yet all his good proved ill in me, and wrought by malice. Lifted up so high, as the dame subjection, and thought one step higher would set me highest, and in a moment quit the debt immense of endless gratitude, so burdensome, still paying, still to owe, forgetful what from him I still received, and understood not that a grateful mind by owing owes not, but still pays at once in debt and discharged. What burden then? Oh, had his powerful destiny ordained me some inferior angel, I had stood then happy. No unbounded hope had raised ambition, yet why not? Some other power as great might have aspired in me, though mean drawn to his part. But other powers as great fell not, but stand unshaken. From within or from without, to all temptations armed, hadst thou the same free will and power to stand? Thou hast. Whom hast thou then, or what to accuse? But heaven's free love dwelt equally to all. By then his love accused, since love or hate, to me a light that deals eternal woe. Nay, cursed be thou, since against his thy will, choose freely what it now so justly rues. Me, miserable, which way shall I fly, infinite wrath and infinite despair? Which way I fly is hell, myself am hell, and in the lowest deep, a lower deep still threatening to devour me opens wide. To hell, which I suffer, seems a heaven. Oh, then at last relent, is there no place left for repentance? None for pardon left? None left but by submission, and that word disdain forbids me. And my dread of shame among the spirits beneath, whom I seduce with other promises, other vaunts, then to submit, boasting I sub- can subdue the omnipotent. I'm going to stop there, um, but then he, he, he goes on and essentially he, he sets himself on his path. And this is kind of the turning point in the plot of the book where Satan has a choice to make. And it's the book that you read because you know how it has to turn out, right? It's like if you watch a prequel to a movie. And the director can still somehow make suspense, even though I know it has to end this way, because I know how the thing happens, right? Like, um, you know, when I watch like Road One, and I love that movie, and I'm like, I know what has to happen, because I've seen episode four, so like I know how this has to end, but it still finds a way to be suspenseful. And this is what Milton's doing here, is this is the moment, like, we know what Satan has to choose, because we know how the story turns out, but he still um, puts Satan in this sort of existential um, angst. Well, maybe he'll repent because he debates it. Um, but the thing he can't do is interesting. The reason why he, he won't repent, and this I mentioned that he gives us a bit of an antidote, right? Is because then not only would he have to submit, but he would have to give thanks. And he says, I can't do that. He says, I cannot do that. Right, because he talks about this, and he even says he's like, with his good unbraided none, nor was his service hard. What could be less than to afford him praise, the easiest recompense, and pay him thanks? How do? And yet he wouldn't do it. And here I find um, that Satan gives us an insight, uh, or Milton gives insight through Satan. Um, what is the antidote, antidote for my temptation? to be angry when my greed takes control of me is to give thanks, right? Is to give thanks for what God has given. Because the temptation 
is going to be so subtle, and we'll see this even more in book nine, it's going to look reasonable, right? Rational. It's going to sound fair, right? It's going to sound just. I mean, he even blames God. He's like, if God just made me a different type of angel, I never would have had this ambition to fall away. But it's God's fault because God gave me this ambition, and he is the one who puts it in, right? And everything is turned around and say, well, it's this person's fault. And Milton gives us the antidote for when that sin grips us for whatever it is. He says, turn around and give thanks. And give thanks whether you are the servant with one talent, two talents, or five talents. He says, turn around and give thanks. Because this is what God asks you to do and what God calls you to do. But this is what Satan refuses. And so we've seen that um, Satan plays at our desires. He makes us think that God's just in submission is bad. He's going to do it subtle. Um, and the opposite of that is giving thanks. Thanks for when sin grips at us um, and attempts to devour us. Our last section, um, there, look at it, comes from book nine. Um, this is um, this is longer. Um, um, I'm not going to read all this, but but book nine is is kind of the the, the climactic. Uh, it's the climax of the plot. This is the dialogue and the temptation between. Uh, Satan towards Eve um, directly. Um, Adam is also in, involved, um, um, but Satan is not involved in the, in the dialogue with Adam, and so that's why we're not looking at this for this purpose. We're looking at Satan's dialogue um, with Eve. Um, and so um, we're going to notice the, the subtlety at which uh, she tempts him. So we're going to start on page 137. Uh, the scan is a bit wonky, um, but that's, that's the quality we're working with here today. Um, so if you learn on 137, uh, that first column at the bottom, uh, Satan just slithers up to Eve and she's immediately impressed. She's impressed that this creature can talk, right? And this creature has reason. And, um, and so he's going to start with that, right? He's going to find his in. It's really interesting because he actually doesn't really fully have, have a plan. He just knows that there's going to be something. And the very first um, in that sh- he starts with is Eve's um, curiosity. Um, right? Curiosity, which I'll go launching into that because I could do a whole note, which I, last year I did, um, is traditionally called a sin, right? Because to be curious. Um, is to, it's very foreign to us as Americans in, in education. Like, we want our children to be curious, wonder about this, wonder about this, wonder about this. Traditionally, the church said curiosity is sin because um, it is tempting you to want to know things that you don't need to know about, right? That are going to come in and think, well, surely I need to know, right? This is, um, this would be me, for example, at, at my church if I'm like, man, I need to know what's going on in that elders meeting. No, you don't. Like, you don't need to know, right? If they want to share something, they'll tell you, um, but I don't need to know. 
I'm not an elder church. I trust them, and I trust God's work in them. And without getting into all the hypotheticals of things in leadership go off the rails, sure. But the, the fruit is that temptation to say, well, I should know um, seems reasonable. Well, why not? Why should I know? What are they trying to hide? All, you know, so forth and so on. And so he finds an in that first plays out her curiosity. That's weird. An animal here is talking. What's that about? And he says, that's my in. That's where I'm going to start in the subtle way I'm going to attempt Eve. And so he says that this is the, on that 30, 137 first column, second half. He says, wonder not, sovereign mistress, if perhaps thou, can, uh, thou canst who art soul wonder, much less arm thy looks, the heaven of mildness. I mean, also knows the flattery too. I mean, this is dripping uh, with, with flattery. Um, and even though uh, Milton is much more um, of his time and, and, and genderified, I, I would say like, Man, this is true for humans, right? I don't even know if you're saving about men or women. Like, this is just true for humans, right? People like to be flattered. People like to be complimented, um, told how, how great they are. And so it's going to be curiosity combined with flattery. Um, thy looks, the heaven of mildness, with disdain, displease thy approach thee thus, and gaze in, uh, insatiate. I, thus single, nor have feared thy awful brow, more awful thus retired. Fairest resemblance of thy fa- maker fair. Thee, all living things, ga- uh, living gaze on. All things shine by gift, and thy celestial beauty adore. With ravishment beheld. There best beheld, where universally admired, but here in this enclosure wild, these beasts among, beholders rude and shell to discern half was in thee fair. Right, and then skipping down a few lines, right, she's going to answer back. He says, What does this mean? Language of man pronounced, right? She's like, How are you talking? Right, so after he's uh, flattered her, he's going to get in on the curiosity route. So, skipping a few paragraphs down at the bottom of 137, he says, To whom the guileful tempter thus replied, Empress of this fair world, resplendent Eve, easy to me it is to tell thee all what thou commandest, and right thou shouldst be obeyed. I was at first as other beasts that grazed, that trod an herb and abject flots and low, as was my food, nor aught but food discerned or sex and apprehended nothing high. Till on a day, roving the field, I chanced a godly tree far distant to behold, loaded with fruit of fairish colors mixed, ruddy and gold. I nearer drew to gaze, and when from thy brows of sorry odor blown, grateful to appetite, more pleased my sense than smell of sweetest fennel, with the teats of you or a goat dro- uh, dropping with milk even, unsucked of lamb or kid that tend their play, and to satisfy the sharp desire of tasting those fair apples, I resolve not to defer hunger and thirst at once. And so notice that he is building up this case of what this amazing thing is. This is the temptation before he, he's actually shown her the thing. Right? He is setting the stage and he is prepping the ground to already so they convince and say, um, look how amazing this is going to be. So that when she then fights temptation, he gets to now argue about how reasonable it is and how rational it is if she would follow suit, right? He doesn't have to go by, by force. He doesn't take her straight to the tree because that would be by force. He says, hey, eat the, here, come here, see this tree, eat that tree. She's like, oh, no, I can't. He has laid the groundwork already and said, look how amazing this thing would be. Doesn't it make sense then that you should also experience this goodness? He's set up this whole foundation, this framework, before even revealing to her 
where it actually is. She actually says that if you step uh, another column towards the bottom on 138. So the bottom of the second column on 138. Um, he takes her to the tree and she says, Serpent, we might have spared our coming hither. Fruitless to me, though fruit he be here to excess, the credit of whose virtue rests with thee, wondrous indeed, if it cause such efforts. But of this tree we may not tust, we may not taste nor touch. God so commanded, and left that command. So daughter of his voice, the rest we live, law to ourselves, and our reason is law. Right? And he does this intentionally. Right? She's like, oh, we could have saved time if you just showed me this right away. I would have said, oh, yeah, we can't have that tree and we could have moved on. Right? But he knows that. If you don't stay to the tree, she's going to resist him. But if he first lays the groundwork and kind of shows the temptation of look how good your life can be, now that's already in her head. Um, I've been uh, re- reading about um, uh, just. You hear a lot, a lot of different articles and a lot of different lectures and so forth of how to teach this book and from other Catholic teachers. And, and uh, one, um, one teacher says that, um, he says, the things that Satan follows and says to Eve are, are I mean, just for any high school student, um, replace it with a temptation to do drugs. It's pretty much exactly the same, right? Because she's like, oh, I can't do that. If I eat it, I'm going to die. He's like, Really? Look at me. I'm doing great. Right? I feel great. Am I, am I dead? Right? Which is exactly what he says next, bottom 138. To whom the tempter godfully replied, Indeed, hath God then said, Right? Of the fruit of all the earth, you shall not eat, nor lords of the air and earth, you declare. He says, Yeah, you know, if you touch it, you'll die. Right? And he says, um, skipping down again towards the bottom of the first column 139 sacred wise wisdom giving plant mother of science now i feel thy power within me clear not only to discern things or causes but to trace the ways of the highest agents deemed however wise queens of the universe do not believe those rigid threats of death you shall not die how should you by the fruit it gives you life to knowledge by the threatener look on me me who've touched and tasted yet both live and live and life more perfect have attained than fate meant me by venturing higher than my lot. Shall that be shut to men, which to the beast is open? Or will God incense his ire for such a pretty trespass and not praise? Notice that line of, will, will God really shut out to you what he's given to a beast? She is playing on, he is playing on her logic because now the temptation sounds completely reasonable. Look at me. I'm fine. And God has given this to me. Well, hasn't God said that you are higher than the animals? And if God gave this to me to get higher than my station, doesn't that make sense that God would give it to you to get higher than your station? This is the hardest temptation of all to fight. The temptation that's rational. Right? The temptation that when you kind of sit through and you start to justify to yourself why you're right to do A, B, or C, whatever it is, right? As I sat there and justified why I was right to be angry because I just wanted a little bit more. It's not a lot. I'm not greedy. It's just a little bit more. That's the hardest temptation to fight. And this, I believe, is what um, the devil devil plays off of. Um, And that he he desperately wants um, our temptations to see 
rational, right? This is why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount kind of gets at the heart, right? Because the tempter is going to tempt a subtle temptation. Well, I'm not really murdering my brother because I'm just kind of entertaining angry thoughts. I'm not really lusting after that person because I'm just entertaining thoughts, right? And that lets slip in, right, of how I think um, the devil wants to work. He wants you to kind of say, yeah, that makes sense, right? That's rational. And again, I want to kind of end by tying this a little bit to the talk that I just gave. I think this is where not only do we see the antidote in the previous part of um, giving thanks, but this is where we have to have to know ourselves. And it's through the hard work of, of reflection and of knowing yourself, right? Because I can't know you in the same way that you're tempted as you can't know me in the same way that I'm tempted, but we can know ourselves. But we need to believe that the devil knows, right? And God knows. And so we need to tap into that. And if I know something of myself that I'm particularly tempted in this way, um, then... I need to discern then how can I put distance between myself and that temptation. This is why there's actually a decent, um, there are actually several thinkers in the Christian tradition that have said that um, Eve is not the mother of legalism in a bad way. Right? When she says, when, when, when God's like, well, you shouldn't eat or touch it, right? And she's like, yeah, that she's actually just knowing herself. She still fails, right? But she's actually just knowing herself of like, yeah, I can't eat, like, I can't even touch that. Right, like if I get near to that, um, I, I know, like I'm out. So I got to create something for myself. Um, and there's a tradition with, with, within the church that uh, of church fathers have said, like, no, that's actually what she's doing. She's knowing herself. She's trying to rule over um, her desires in the way that God made her to rule. Um, and I think this is what God's trying us to do. Um, this is why we need um, to know ourselves to be courageous, um, why we need community. I think too often we can tempt ourselves to be um, more courageous than we are, right? Well, I don't want to kind of impose that on myself. I think I'll be fine. I think I can handle it. Um, and Jesus says, no, like cut it off. Like it is, it is better um, to go in, right? Having missing an arm, missing an eye, whatever it is, than to lose... Um, your soul, right? It's, there's no shame in knowing yourself and saying, um, yeah, I just can't. I just can't do that. Um, and that's actually, um, I think, a blessing that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, through wisdom to discern ourselves and to know ourselves. Um, and we know kind of how the, how the story plays out. Um, and we know then also then that hope is not lost because God um, incarnates himself. Um, and does what we are incapable um, of doing. Um, but I think that um, through this, some things that I, I've gleaned is just um, we've got to watch out for the subtlety, right? We've got to question ourselves for the subtlety, and this is so much why we, with this, we, why we need community, because sometimes we're even blind to our own subtleties. We can't even see that the thing that we want is so subtle because it seems so rational to us and it makes so much sense why I want this thing and we need the community to speak into our lives and to try to force us out and, and to check ourselves right um, which is um, 
why actually uh, in this book is not talked about, but Adam and Eve separate and, and in this book, Adam's kind of like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I feel like we should stick together. Um, and Satan waits until they're separate, right? They're separated, easier to fall. And we need the sense of community um, where we each speak uh, into our lives um, and giving thanks. Um, let me, let me uh, close us in prayer and then um, we will be done. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, um, I thank you for these words. Um, thank you for some wisdom that we can learn from this. Hope we can learn um, that the ways that the enemy can tempt us, Lord, um, through subtlety. Give us clear eyes to see. Give us wisdom to see. Um, and give us hearts that are um, humble and willing to submit, and hearts that are thankful um, to your goodness, Lord. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, thank you so much. Sorry, it got really hot in here. I'm like dripping. Uh, thanks for sticking out with me.